The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the U.S. and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hello, everybody. It is Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer and Co-Founder of Aldis, and a part of our ServiceNow Federal Series, I am very, very happy to welcome Yolanda Inchargi, who is Manager, Support Account Manager at Federal within ServiceNow. Yolanda, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yolanda, so we are going to talk a little bit about your day-to-day role, but we're also going to talk about the role that you do uh, as a volunteer as well. So it's going to be kind of multifaceted, and the questions that we're going to to share today, I think are going to give people a fantastic insight to the work that you do in your federal, but also to the work that people may not know if they don't come from a kind of a veteran's background and some of the work that you actually do on that. So thank you very much for, for joining us on the show uh, again. Thank you for having me. Super excited for this conversation. So Yolanda, how did you actually get into the world of service now? What's your background? Uh, so it's actually by chance. Uh, my background, it's not in tech. My background has been DOD through military and then uh, DON, Department of the Navy, where I did process improvement. And, you know, after a long time of being there or that being my my background fully, um, it kind of took a leap of faith because, you know, funny enough, the, the processes are very outdated, right? I, I did run into the challenges that I felt like I was working with the dinosaur processes. And, you know, in process improvement, you can only improve so much if you don't have the right tools and the right mentality, right? And and when I was there, there was a time where, you know, things were, you know, we have been doing it this way kind of um, environment. And so I took a leap of faith. Um, and, and I joke with the Admiral that I was surprised that we didn't still use carbon copy paper, you know, because our processes were very manual. We relied heavily on Excel, SharePoint, emails, even walking to people's, cu- you know, cubicles uh, for certain things. And so I knew I wanted to go into tech and I didn't know exactly how, just because, again, my background has been, you know, purely federal. So I actually was talking to my connections and a friend worked at ServiceNow introduced me to ServiceNow. And I'm not kidding when I say this, but it was love at first sight. Uh, I walked in, I got a, you know, a first mini demo and I remember saying, oh my God, DOD needs this. Like, you know, everybody needs this. Um, and then it just happened to be that they were growing their federal team and I understood their customer because that's where I came from. So, um, Five years ago, next month, I joined the federal team. I think it's I think it's wonderful, and it, it's funny because we've had you know Herb on the show. We've we've had Jonathan on the show, who worked in in government before Herb, who is a, a, a veteran too. And the wonderful thing with that is you can see within the environment that you're in the positive application this technology can can bring, right? Because you've actually you know it's empathy on steroids because you know exactly or design thinking on steroids you you know exactly the the journey people need to go on and 
how you can be, make it more efficient, right? So I think that I think that's wonderful how they've actually come together. So when you look at the, the role that you have in support account management, tell us a little bit about kind of the day to day that you're involved in, and what what does that involve for you and your team? Uh, well, there's never a typical day. Uh, you know, I, I describe the support account manager's role as a as a roller coaster. You know, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. Sometimes, you know, you go up, you come down, there's some spins. Uh, sometimes it feels like it's never ending. Uh, but in the end, you know, you get that good feeling of like, ah, you know, and, and and no matter how scary it was, you know, you, you feel like a sense of accomplishment. That's how I describe my team's work, right? Support account manager is a role um, that is part of impact, but it's a support role. Uh, we're one of the squad members. And we're the ones that get called when something breaks. And when I say something breaks, it's not, you know, something breaks, but something's not working right with the platform, right? Uh, my team doesn't fix it, but we're the single point of contact and the liaison into support or operations engineering to help to re, um, resolve the cases or escalations quickly. We work very closely with the customers, the partners. Uh, we get called in the middle of the night or odd hours when there's a P1. Uh, my team helps with answering, you know, support related questions, um, helps with managing their cases, their problems, their changes through resolution. Uh, we coordinate product discussions with the, our internal teams. Uh, we do escalation oversight and coordination. Uh, and then we meet with the customer on a regular basis, you know, to go over their reporting and go over some of the, you know, their cases, their problems and changes. Um, so it is a little bit more reactive. Um, you know, you don't get heads up when something breaks, you know, although having a some help, you know, having a support account manager helps with becoming more proactive rather than always reactive. Right. But at the end of the day, um, it's still a support role. Uh, so the CM helps through, you know, monitoring the customer's emphasis and we can kind of see the warning light when something is not working as it should and kind of get ahead of it instead of waiting until the customer says something's not wrong. Um, so that's why I use the roller coaster ride um, analogy because and, and it really depends on the health of the customer's intents and their platform, you know, you know what what that roller coaster ride will look like. And it, it's interesting because in the world of government projects, there's, there's strict deadlines, right, that you need to hiss. So working within a team, there's, there's, you mentioned the kind of roller coaster ups and downs. What have you found has worked well in terms of your management style to keep everybody on that journey, particularly across the kind of high pressurized uh, moments? Uh, to be honest, having a good team. Uh, I, I credit my success as a manager to having an amazing team. And, you know, I go back into before you even hired, right? When I'm looking to hire people, I'm looking for that missing piece to the puzzle and, you know, bringing what I don't already have to create a more, you know, well-balanced and diverse team um, because I can't have two of the exact same pieces in one puzzle, right? Um, so that's one of the major things, but then it goes beyond to building trust and relationships, right? You can't, you can't, you can't manage teams. You can't, you know, do projects successfully if if you're working with people that that don't trust you or that you don't focus on building that trust and building those relationships. So I emphasize that a lot within my teams, uh, and that helps even more so when you are working under pressure, right? When you do have that good relationship, when that team trusts you, that customer trusts you, then then you can deliver news that may not be exactly what they want, but they still trust you, and and that helps, right? 
And then from there, you go into prioritizing, right? I'm a perfectionist, so that in itself can add pressure. Uh, but I always ask myself, you know, is someone dying? Is this life or death? And and if it's not, which in most cases it's not, then you can prioritize accordingly. You know, you're able to think rather than to panic. Uh, and then from there, I go into managing expectations. You know, it may not be the answer that you want, but is it a fair answer? Are we going about it the right way? And that's the part, the part that is very important to me, right? Uh, in my role, there's, you know, we have to get comfortable with saying no. But again, going back to that trust, if that customer trusts you, if my team trusts me. Um, and, you know, then you got to leave some room for error, right? Nobody likes them. Nobody likes the error. Um, but again, we've already established that it's not life or death. So if a mishap happens, then we can take them as a learning opportunity, right? Um, and so in support, there's naturally a lot of pressure. Uh, but again, I can't be that person that panics, right? And so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I get calls where, you know, they're saying, you know, we're going to call the, you know, such and such executive. And because I follow these things that I really believe, you know, are are a good method, then I'm okay. You know, obviously, I never want my executives to be called. I always want to be able to manage things, you know, at, at my level and never get, you know, escalate them. But if they do, you know, then I can talk to making sure that we were fair, that things were um, yeah. handled. And, and and the good thing is because you can't control those other, other other variables. So this is, you know, you're staying within the process. You're giving confidence to your team to stick to the process and work through it in a way because you just have to be able to respond and, you know, as best as you possibly can rather than react and that that's you know that's a delicate dance that I'm sure it's going to be different days that goes goes well or, or not. If we if we kind of segue a little bit more into your role also as global veteran co-chair role at ServiceNow. We kind of alluded to a little bit at the start of the show, but it'd be great to talk about a little bit more about that. And also it's fantastic because you've walked this journey yourself as a veteran. So you kind of know about it just as much as anybody about the importance of the role. So maybe you could start us off from the top, but what that is, what that looks like and what that looks like day to day. Yeah. So it, it is an add-on role right outside of my daily um, role. Um, and, it, you know, a couple of years back, ServiceNow started employee belonging groups with the, um, as part of the diversity, equity and inclusion effort that, you know, they're driving. And one of those um, belonging groups being the veterans belonging group. This year, I became the global co-chair along with my co-chair, Tracy Miller. And we have executive sponsors for this one. It's Kevin Haverty and Pat Casey. And the goal is to advocate for veterans throughout ServiceNow and create an environment that supports veterans and helps their career development, right? We want we want veterans to, to feel welcome and to be welcome. We want them to be known, included, supported, connected, and help them overcome some of the challenges within the veteran community, right? So it's an ongoing process, right? You can, you know, change things overnight, but slowly we're, we're sort of dealing with some of those challenges and, and actually just to get as a bit of a backdrop for someone who doesn't come from a military background and doesn't necessarily understand much about but what those challenges may be can you expand on what challenges veterans face in the corporate world and, and how does service now support uh military veterans in, in overcoming those challenges 
Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it, in, and you said it correctly, right? If you don't come from a military family or a military background, then you don't know what you don't know, right? And so it's a lot of the times you don't understand the value of a veteran because you don't know exactly what they did while they were in active duty. So translating those military skills into corporate world may seem very dif difficult for those that are not well-versed in, in the industry. Uh, most people think, you know, your military is carrying a rifle and shooting a weapon, but that's not the case, right? We have all sorts of jobs within the military. So that being one of the big ones, right? You know, how do how do we get you know, veterans to come into corporate jobs at the right level with, you know, and showcasing the skills versus people just thinking, you know, weapons and shooting, right? Uh, another one is the, st the stigma around PTSD that is, you know, highly attached to veterans. You know, yeah, there are veterans that have PTSD, but not everybody that is a veteran has PTSD. And those that do have it doesn't mean they're this not job or whatever you want to call it, right? So kind of you know, educating around those things. Um, a lot of the things is that we have veterans that don't self-ID because of the stigmas, right? Because sometimes in, instead of helping you, it kind of hurts you. So people don't want to, you know, self-identify as a veteran. Like, I know I didn't. When I came into service now, you know, employers ask, you know, check the box. And, um, and, and you don't want to do that, right? And so this is, um, this is an effort where we're trying to people, you know, get people comfortable to one, those that are not military to understand the value of a veteran and those that are veterans to kind of feel welcome and supported here at ServiceNow. And that's just not for U.S. veterans. That's globally. Right. And 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 the challenges globally is that military service is looked upon differently depending on the country and the region. But here at ServiceNow, we want to value their their service. We want to support them. And some of the things, again, we're doing uh, the employee belonging group where we're sort of addressing some of these issues. And then ServiceNow also is helping veterans, you know, um, transitioning veterans come into tech roles, right, through uh, a skill bridge program that we have. I myself have hired two veterans out of that program onto my team. And I can tell you, they're great success stories. One of the things that I was quite interested to know was your ability to speak multiple languages. And also you've lived in, what is it, close to 30, 30 different countries, if I'm not mistaken, and, and, and embraced that different types of lifestyle. How does that help you to so analyze different types of situations, problems, and probably having that kind of different types of approach uh, because I'm guessing your brain is probably wired in a variety of different ways because you've got all these different types of cultures and, um, you know, colloquial different types of work in, in there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I love this question and I'll tell you um, more why once I answered. Um, but yes, I've lived in about eight different countries and traveled to 45 plus. Um, and my international exposure is probably the one thing I, that I attribute to, you know, making me more personable. Um, you know, there's never a time that I can't find something to talk about with someone. And uh, I'm, you know, naturally I'm a social butterfly, but, you know, the international exposure, I, I believe it makes you more open-minded, more curious, more accepting. And also like it gives you this hunger to learn, right? It, and it feels like 
you don't just check the box of, you know, a place you travel and you're like, oh, okay, I checked it. I feel that the more you travel, the more you want to travel. Um, but it's not just the exposure, right? It's what, you know, if your willingness to immerse yourself in that culture and learn about the culture and the differences. Um, because for me, you know, you know, I grew up in Mexico, so you only know what you know, right? Uh, and so if you told me, I lived in Japan, I love the culture, I love Japan, but if you told me when I lived in Mexico to try raw fish, I would have been like, no, because for me, Mexican food was the it, right? But through exposing myself, I learned that, you know, I there is more than just my way, right? And we all think that way. We think that my way is the way, but somebody on the other side of the world is thinking the exact same way because that's all they've been exposed to. Um, and so the more you expose yourself and you are open to, then the more, you know, you become more receptive to other people, other cultures, other ways of thinking. Um, so I literally consider myself, you know, a citizen of the world. Um, and the reason I ask, you know, or I say that I love this question is because I actually ask this question in my interviews. I ask everybody that I interviewed to tell me you know, if they traveled internationally and again, because I feel that it makes them a more well-rounded person. Yolanda Inchagari, Kargi, thank you very much for being on the podcast today and sharing your experience. Thank you for having me and showcasing the military and veterans uh, world and how it works with ServiceNow. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon. 